Good morning. Well, I appreciate uh, Buck sharing his uh, testimony in regards to this topic of imagination. <clears throat> and I do know that uh, God has used him at his ranch there at the farm and uh, to lead multiple people to Christ and to represent him well. And it's kind of interesting to see that he imagined that one day he would be at such a place and to accomplish such things. And that's what we were talking about last week, you know. Uh, God's created power. And what we want to do is unleash it, right? Unleashing God's creative power. We talked about it last week. We laid a foundation for that. And if you weren't here, you really want to pick that up. And I'll assure you, if you hang in here to the end of the service today, you'll find some things that will and begin the process of transforming your life in a way that you never knew possible. Um, let me put a little plug in for our picnic and our adventure race. And there's uh, places that you can sign up your team and you're going like, I'm not going to go in no adventure race. Let me tell you, this adventure race is going to be the most awesome adventure race. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. You might be in your mid-90s, a young mid-90s or something, and you can do this, okay? And I can see uh, an older ladies group uh, team doing this because you're doing it as a team. And if you opt out, well, we're not going to do that part. That's okay, all right? But we're going to have a blast with all the different kinds of crazy things we got going on. We got giant tricycles in the part of the race, you know, and uh, for adults and all. So it's, it's going to be a blast. So bring somebody with you. We're going to have fun. We have awesome food together. And uh, we would like you to sign up for one reason. And everything is free. But we'd like you to sign up for one reason. So we have enough food, okay? I mean, if we're prepared for 500 and 5,000 come, we'll, we'll have a miracle, you know, somehow or another. I'm sure. We'll be getting in the pond, we'll catch lots of fish or something or another. But uh, if you would sign up there, and if you were willing to help us out, that would be awesome. Really would. Uh, let me see here. Uh, what was it? Last week? No, two weeks ago, I was talking to Benjamin. That's our son. He's a Marine. And he was in Lynchburg. He had gone over to visit uh, his fiance, Brittany, and uh, they'd gone to church together. And he, he uh, called me and he said, Dad, he said, uh, the pastor told a story. It reminded me of you, Dad. He said, it's something that you would have told. And uh, he said, the pastor was telling a story about another pastor, and he was preaching, and there was an old pastor friend of his who he invited to come up to pray. And this is what, I've already told some of you this already, but this is what he prayed. He said, dear Lord, I sure don't like buttermilk. And Lord, you know I sure don't like lard. And Lord, I sure don't like flour. But Lord, I sure love biscuits. Amen. Amen. Now, Think about it for a moment. You know what my favorite verse is? Romans 8, 28, how God works all things together for good 
for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And sometimes things come into our life that we don't like. Buttermilk. You know, I personally do not like buttermilk. You know, my mom loves it, but I don't care for buttermilk. But once you add the ingredient, now we usually use oil or butter. You know, not too many people use lard anymore. It makes them taste good, but it's not necessarily good for you. And uh, so maybe you don't like butter. Maybe you don't like lard. Maybe you don't like, can you imagine just eating spoons full of dry flour? But what happens when those ingredients that you really don't like, what happens when those things are allowed and they're all mixed up together and you've created hot buttered biscuits? So some things, yes. Some things that come into our life that we don't like. I, I don't care for that. I don't like that. I don't like this. But if we'll be patient, God says he's going to work it all together for good. So there's a couple of little things that may be needed to be added, a little bit of patience involved. But it's so true. It's so true. If we'll be patient, trust God, he will work all things together for good. There's an article in the USA Today reported that in an online survey of a thousand adults, three quarters, now, how many would that be? Three quarters of a thousand? 750, you got your math going there, good. Uh, 750 of the Americans believe that the country was better off in the 80s than it is now. Now what's noteworthy about this poll was that some who believed that the country was better off in the 80s weren't even alive during the 80s. So how can someone who's born decades later believe that their parents were better off 30 years ago than they are today? And the answer is really pretty simple when you think about it. Their parents and other adults had shared stories. They had shared stories about life in the 80s, you know, stories that created vivid, long-lasted, long-lasting uh, pictures and imaginations in their mind. Just, just, just amazing. You know, God's Word does the same thing. It produces imaginations, the stories that we read. And... Uh, my Bible says that faith comes by hearing God's word and, and it, it creates these pictures on the movie screen of our, our mind and it transforms things and produces faith and it, it changes us. It genuinely does. It says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, it says anyone who hates another brother or sister is really, what does that say? Is a murderer. Imagine hating somebody. I mean, if you imagine, you know, th that you hated somebody, it's not just, well, I hate somebody. The end. No. You, 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 you imagine bad things happening to them. You imagine yourself pushing them off of a cliff, maybe. You know, well, there's no harm in that. Oh, yes, it is. Because God says, if you imagine it, it's the same as doing it. So our imagination, and see, that's what this is all about, unleashing God's creative power 
through your imagination. That's what we're talking about. Through your imagination. You're created in the very image of God. And God image, uh, God imagined everything before he created it. So let's make, God, let's make man in our image. Boom. We're created in his image. And God has an awesome imagination. And you and I, and we'll read in the Bible, God wants us to imagine. He wants us, when you read something, when you pray about something, he wants you to imagine it. He wants us to do so. And he said, anyone who, here who uh, hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them unless they repented. If they repented and they confessed their sin, and they should imagine that God forgives them because he surely does. So think for just a moment. Imagine with me. Now, how many of y'all got a good imagination? Come on. Only a handful? Well, take a little trip with me if you would. Imagine with me. We go into a bakery. As soon as you go in the doors, you ah, there's this heavenly smell. You know, these hot buttered rolls, yeast rolls, you know. Oh, there's a, you know, fresh Italian bread, you know. Oh, pastries of every kind, fresh donuts and cookies and pies and cakes. And the baker says, I'll just help yourself. <laughs> Can you imagine that for a moment? I think we should go to the bakery right now, you know. You know, once Susan and I, our family lived in the Parsonage right next door. It's offices now. And there's a little Italian place up the road here and almost every day. We'd swing by there, pick up a loaf or two of Italian bread and a fresh thing of sauce that they had just made. You probably never had hot Italian bread where you dipped it in some fresh sauce or something. <sighs> can you all imagine? Y'all got a good imagination. Yes, all of you do. I can tell. Some of you looking your lips back there. I had no breakfast either, you know. Man, well, this is tough. Well, let me remind you of a verse we looked at last week. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, it says... For the weapons of our warfare, right here, are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to pulling down of strongholds. You remember the devil's always trying to be the king of the hill. He's trying to build strongholds in our mind. He's trying to put imaginations that are ungodly, that are fearful or frightening, that are lustful or whatever. He's trying to put strongholds in our mind that we cannot pull down. That's what he's trying to do. But the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, bad imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And it says, and through this weapon, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We talked about that last week. Now, casting down imaginations, this is, this is kind of the way it works. Let me see here if I can get this thing set up right. Don't knock it all off of there. Okay. You ever have this uh, you ever have this imagination, this thought come into your mind? 
Well, let's see. I got my numbers all mixed up. Oh, hold on a second. Don't go away. I imagine that I can do this, you know. All right. You ever had this thought? And, and let me explain to you how the devil comes at you. The devil never tempts you by saying, hello, I'm Mr. Devil. <laughs> and I'm telling you that you're sick and you're going to die. The devil always tempts us in the first person. He whispers into our ear, you know, yellow sniffle? I'm sick and I'm going to die. And we think about it for a little bit. We kind of imagine it. Imagine the funeral and everything, you know. And then we say it with our mouths. So when the devil puts that thought in your mind, I'm sick and I'm going to die. The way to get it out, to cast it down, is with something else. you got to replace it with. And the Bible tells us that by his stripes we're healed. Christ took stripes on his back. You understand that? He took a tremendous beating for you and me so we could be healed. So that's very important for us to remember. And uh, what about when the devil puts in your thought, hey, you know, God would never forgive me. He would never forgive me. When those thoughts come into your mind, what happens? It changes the way you act for the rest of that day and maybe that week and maybe for the rest of your life. But you got to cast that thought down. What does the Bible tell us? If we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. You've got to cast it down or it stays. You can't just leave it there. And uh, what about, have you ever had a thought like this that comes up in your mind? No matter what it is that somebody asks you to do, maybe to enter a, a venture race or something or another. You know, and you go, well, I just can't do anything right. I can't do anything right. Well, you have to cast that thing down. You can't leave it there. You got this slot up here, you see. And you can't think of but one thing at a time. You can go back and forth. But you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do things right through Christ who strengthens me. That's just the truth of it, you know. Amen. So, uh, I don't know if you've ever felt this way. Probably so. But I know there's a lot of people who do. You know, that uh, I'm just utterly helpless, hopeless. I'm miserable. There's no hope for my future. Is it even worth going on? I'm hopeless. Well, what does God's word tell us? In Jeremiah, he tells us, and you got to push that thing out, cast it down. You know, the plans that God has for me are good and not evil to give me hope and to give me a future. You got to cast those negative thoughts down and we have a weapon that's in God's word and we can cast down all those kinds of things, you know? And uh, what about I, I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm all alone. And, 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 and it's the devil putting that thought in your ear, getting in your mind, trying to get it in your heart. I feel like I'm all alone. And what do we do? We, we cast it down, Right? And what's it say? I can see it fine. <laughs> oh, you want to see it too? God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That's a promise Almighty God said. You may feel alone, but you are not alone. He is there. 
The devil's a liar. Everything the devil says, you know the opposite is true. Because he says in John 8, 44, he's a liar and the father of lies. What about when uh, that thought comes in? You know, God doesn't hear me when I pray. You're praying about things, important things. Well, God doesn't even hear me. See, he asked for so-and-so. He doesn't even hear me. You know, you're just going to leave that there all the time? Well, if you, if you left that there, if that imagination, you leave that there, and you imagine that God just turns his back on you, he doesn't hear you, he's ignoring you, you, you will stop praying, that's for sure. But what does he say in Jeremiah? Just call upon me, and I will answer you. Jeremiah 33, that's God's, well, I, I learned it as a, a kid, it's God's telephone number, Jeremiah 33. It's God's telephone number. He says, call upon me, and I will answer you. What about, you know, I'm scared to death. You ever been tempted to, to fear? And you can live with that fear. And I used to be uh, very fearful of certain things. I had all kinds of phobias. But you know what? God delivered me from that. When I read that verse where it says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind, I believed it. And I imagined, you know, I'm a giant slayer. Me and Susan was sitting out by the fire last night. Were we sitting out by the fire? We heard something in the woods a couple, and we live at the base of a mountain. Is that right? And I told her, I said, it's probably a bear. <laughs> now, we've seen many bears on our property for real. And I said, oh, this is awesome. So we'll get on TV all over the place. Bear attacks pastor and his wife. Pastor kills bear. <laughs> Did I say that? I say stuff like that all the time, you know. But what I'm telling you, God's not giving me a spirit of fear. I'm not controlled by the phobias and the fears that I used to be controlled by. And I imagine that I can do just about anything that God calls me to do. And you say, well, Pastor, you're crazy. That's right. <laughs> I'm crazy for Jesus. Amen. And I love him. And I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about what he tells us. It's like, this is absolutely phenomenal. This is amazing. Okay, anyhow, you know, we need to have faith-filled imaginations. We do. And if you pray about something, you need to imagine that God is answering your prayer, you know. God is telling us to take every imagination, every thought, every movie that opposes him, that's in a movie screen of our mind, and cast it down. <coughs> if it's contrary to what the Bible says, you need to cast it down and keep it underneath your feet. And you, you cast it down with what's in this book. You hide it in your, your mind and you hide it in your heart. And, and when the devil whispers things to you, you recognize, that's not true. God said, God said, God said, and you cast those things down, you know. So these faith-filled imaginations is what you and I both need, you know, playing on the movie screen of our mind all the time. First John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For every child of God, how many of you consider yourself a child of God? Every child of God, defeats this evil world. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine yourself being David and there's giant out there, you know? Can you imagine yourself being a giant slayer? For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our... What? Y'all have that verse up there? You don't. 
Well, I can imagine what it would look like if it was up there. <laughs> so I'm just going to read it and use your imagination. It says, for every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. We achieve the victory, the defeat over the evil world that comes against us. We achieve victory through faith. And faith comes by hearing the love letters of God that he sent to you. Faith comes by hearing God's word. That's how we overcome fear and worry and anxiety. And that's how provisions are made for us. And he says, every child of God defeats this evil world. The devil wants you to think that you lose. That's not what Jesus tells us. That's for sure. You know, real faith projects on the movie screen of our mind imaginations of everything that God has said to us. Now, you remember we talked about last week. We're not going to it really in depth, but in Genesis 11, 6, especially in the Amplified Bible, it tells us about the Tower of Babel. You remember that? And God said, we're coming down, you know, to confuse the language. There's only one language on the planet at the time. Confuse the language because the people are all one. They're in harmony. They're saying the same language and they're rebelling against God and they're going to build this tower and show that they're bigger and smarter and wiser than God is. And God said, because they're one and they speak one language, nothing is impossible for them who imagine to do it. So God changed their language. Mixed them all up so they couldn't communicate with each other any longer. God said a rebellious people, nothing was impossible for them. How much more... God's children who have God's promises, how much more is that true that nothing is impossible for us who imagine what God's word says? How much more powerful is it for us? You know, Joshua 1.8, let me just cover that real quickly. I know we've read it several times, but Joshua 1.8, it says, study this book of instruction. It's our weapons. It's our armor. Study this book of instructions continually And he says, meditate, which means to daydream, to chew on it, to imagine it. When you read a story, imagine it. Imagine it. Visualize it on the movie screen of your mind. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Isn't that amazing? You want to get married? You want to succeed in your marriage? You want to start a business? You want to succeed in your business? You want to start a workout routine? You want to start to get healthy? Whatever you set your hand to do to prosper, he says if you'll study this book so you can apply it to your life, you chew on it, you meditate on it, he says you will prosper and you will succeed in everything you do. Did you all see that scripture up there? Your imagination is working really good now, right? I'm glad. Awesome. Fantastic passage there. <coughs> God's creative power is unleashed through our imagination. And if you're going to pray about something, you're going to believe something, that's what faith does. Faith believes something and can see it on the movie screen of your mind. And if you pray about something, the devil's going to try to give you a negative picture. Cast it down. You pray about something, you visualize it, you imagine that prayer being answered. That's just the way it is. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, God can do anything, you know. He can do what? Anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine. I can imagine a lot, you know. 
But God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. It says God can do anything. He can do far more for you than you could even request of him in your wildest dreams. You ask the biggest, fantastic, most awesome prayer of God, and God's going, that's all you want? You think I'm teasing. God delights in blessing his children. But we are so full of anxiety and fear and worry, you know, that comes up there and gets in our mind, it's hard for us to access the blessings that he wants us to have. Moving on, he says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Now, you know, in the New Testament, the disciples asked Jesus, hey, would you teach us how to pray? Because Jesus was always praying. So Jesus taught them, you go to the Father, our Father, <coughs> which art in heaven, and, you know, honor him, how, hallowed, you know, uh, honor, majestic, wonderful, just show your respect. Is your name, your, your kingdom come, your will. You remember how he was teaching, you know, give us today our daily bread, deliver us today. You remember all those things in the, the Lord's Prayer? I actually do know it. But then he didn't stop there. He picked up here in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 5, and verse 4 to verse 1 is about the Lord's Prayer. And verse 5 says, And then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. And I'm sure if you'd have been there in Jesus' day, it, it would have been like he said, everybody says, okay, now, once upon a time. When you tell it to your kids, they can see every word you say, can't they? Tell me that story again, Mama. Tell me that story again, Daddy. Because they can visualize it. You can imagine it. <clears throat> so that's what's going on right here. He says, suppose, this is Jesus talking about prayer. Suppose you went to a friend's house. Somebody you really like. Y'all get along together. Best of friends. And you went at midnight. Huh? It's dark, you know. You got a little, uh, you know, olive oil lamp thing there you're using to even get over there. And you went to his house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Probably freshly cooked, you know, just waiting for breakfast time. And you say to him, you're knocking on the door, you wake him up. Hey, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. And I have nothing for him to eat. And you know the people over in those, those uh, nations, the, the greatest thing in their life is hospitality. If they can't show hospitality, it just like kills them. It's like, I, I have a guest who just came in from a long journey, and I didn't know they were coming, and I have nothing for them to eat. Can I borrow three loaves of bread? That's what he's asking. <coughs> and he says, and suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. And my family and I are all in the bed, and I can't help you. Now, imagine why. Now, lots of their houses were, were built up high. The family lived in the upper room. And lots of times they, they had the, uh, you know, the, the chickens and, and uh, all their livestock and things there on the, on the ground floor. And so maybe he's looking up at a window there. 
But they only had one big room up there, and they didn't have beds like we had. They had little mats that they would roll out on the floor. So it's just a big pallet on the floor. And for him to get up and get some bread and, and bring it over there to his friend, he's going to wake up all the kids, and they're going to be going, I want some bread too, you know. I got to go potty and all that. He said, I just got all my kids to sleep. I'm not going to wake them back up. You don't know what it's like over here, you know. Get the animals stirred up and all. Come back tomorrow and get anything you want. Can, can you imagine what's going on there? Jesus is telling this story. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. And my family and I are in bed, are all in bed, and I can't help you. And Jesus said, But I'll tell you this though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need. Can you imagine? I told you I need three loaves of bread. Hey, I've got a friend over... I mean, and, and, and you just keep on knocking. He's going, you're going to wake all my kids up. I might as well get up and give you the bread. You know? Jesus says, verse 8, but I'll tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. In the King James Bible, he uses the word importunity. You know what the word importunity means? Shameless persistence. I'm not ashamed to keep on knocking. I need bread. I know you got bread. I have a visitor. I can't go. I'm not going home empty-handed. I need some bread. Knock, 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 you know. Can you visualize that happening? Jesus is telling them this story about prayer, and he tells them that. And he says it's because of their shameless persistence. Are you shameless when you go to God? Father, I need your help again in this situation. And he goes on to say in verse 9, and so I tell you, Jesus is talking to followers. That's you and me. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Do you all see that? Keep on asking. What's the next one? Seeking. What's the next one? Knocking. You, you see the first letter of each of those words? A. S. K. Ask. I think that's just amazing. And he says in verse 10, for 50% of the people who ask, for everyone who asks, receives. And everyone that means everybody in this room here. That means all you guys online who've been watching. Every one of you, all you in the balcony, all you downstairs in the, the uh, cafe. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Just keep on knocking. He's going to give you those three loaves of bread. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. says a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding in the King James Bible it says she had an issue of blood 
And she came looking for Jesus because she had an issue of blood. And I'm going to be honest with you, I think we all have issues of some kind. So this woman in the crowd, she'd suffered for 12 years this, this seeping, this, this bleeding that was going on in her body. And it says here, she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. Not only was she suffering this, this physical issue, but she had suffered by these doctors who were experimenting with all kinds of procedures and ointments and primitive surgical things and all that they would do in that day. And it says, and she had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything. And the implication here is that she was a wealthy woman and she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Now, it's bad enough being sick like that. But people who have an issue of blood, even the women during their monthly thing, are referred to in, in those Bible days as unclean. And you kind of had to be separate from everybody. Because if you touch somebody else, you made them ceremonially unclean and they couldn't go worship that week. Because they would touch somebody else. And so they were almost treated like a leper. You were considered unclean. And for 12 years, everybody knew about this woman. And so although she had friends and family and loved ones, they could not get close to her. Because she would make them ceremonially unclean. I mean, it's just heartbreaking. Here's this woman. And she's sick and she needs some companionship, some support. And she sees the neighbor that she grew up with, Gladys, over there on the other side of the street. And Gladys smiles at her and crosses her arms. <coughs> and she's going like, here's a hug. But she can't give her a real hug, you see. You think about this. And this woman who has this issue of blood for 12 years, she, she heard about Jesus. She heard about this this miracle that happened, this demon-possessed man that she had seen and had heard wailing in the, the wilderness there and all and how Jesus met him. And this guy had been in chains and he would break the chains and he was stripped down and cut himself and all. And this man is now walking around in the city dressed in his right mind because he met Jesus and Jesus worked a miracle. And every time she's turning around, there's somebody else who's been healed and miracles have happened. And she's hearing about Jesus. And then all of a sudden, this, this whole thing, this, this imagination is just like, you know, oh my, the impossible is, is possible because of Jesus. And she looked for Jesus at every opportunity. She'd hear a crowd gathering. She'd come out of her place and she'd go up to the street and she was always looking, well, where's Jesus at? And then one day, that's exactly what happened. He came. There's a huge crowd of people around him. You got to understand, this woman who's kind of known now, you know, because it's been 12 years, and nobody wants to touch her because they will become ceremonially unclean for seven days. And so they can't associate with other people themselves. And this woman, you know, she, she comes out, and well, let me just pick up here in verse 27. It says, She had heard about Jesus, so she came up, so she came up behind him. Through the crowd. Because you do know, if you're out there amongst the religious guys and you, you touch them and make them ceremonially unclean, and there's a 
the rabbi, they're teaching that week, those people would stone you to death. I mean, that was a big to-do. You touch them. I mean, it's like the kids in grammar school, you know, you got something, some germs or cooties or this or that or another. Don't touch me because you touch her, or, you know. It's kind of crazy. Verse 27 says she had heard about Jesus and she came up behind him because most of the crowd was in front. She came up behind him through the crowd and she, she touched his robe for she thought. Remember we taught the imagination is an expanded thought? She thought to herself. She imagined on the movie screen of her mind, she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. That's what she had imagined, you see. She had been sick for 12 years, you know, unclean, and she imagined if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And verse 29 says, immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. If, if you have been sick for 12 years and then all of a sudden it was healed, there's this warmth and this calm and this wholesomeness. It's just like, I haven't felt this this way in so long. Oh. Immediately, the bleeding stopped and she could feel her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition and Jesus realized it at once, that healing power, the King James Bible says, virtue, life, power. Jesus realized that healing power had gone out from his body. It wasn't that he sent it toward her on purpose. It, it, it's like somebody snuck up and pickpocketed you and took some of his healing power away. Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and he asked. Now, you got to understand, he wasn't mad. He was smiling. He says, who touched me? He's just curious. Who touched me? <laughs> you know? Who touched me? Was it you? Was it you? Was it you? Was it... Was it you guys there? Who touched me? His disciples. And he was, who touched my robe? Verse 31, it says, his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask this? You know, disciples are always thinking they're smarter than their master, you know. How can you ask who touched me? Verse 32, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Even after the disciples were kind of reprimanding him, you know, doing like. He was smiling, you got to understand. He wasn't upset. And then the frightened woman, verse 33, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, she came and she fell to her knees in front of him. She's probably laughing and crying. She feels better than she has felt in 12 years. And, but now she's been caught, you know, and all these religious people are going to know she was here. She probably touched me. I'm probably unclean. She fell to her knees in front of him 
and she told him what she had done. She said, I had imagined that if I could just touch the hem of your garment because I couldn't get to talk to you, it's just too big of a crowd. I imagine if I could touch you, I'd be healed. And I'm, I'm sorry for, for stealing, for pickpocketing some of your healing power, but I'm well now. She told him what she had done. In verse 34, it says, and he said to her, daughter. He didn't say, you reprobate, you rebellious thief. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. What was it that made her well? It was faith that caused her to imagine because Jesus was full of living power. And it was always there for everybody, but she believed enough to imagine it to go through the crowd, risk being stoned, and she took that risk because she imagined it. Her faith, anytime you've got faith to do something, you can imagine it. Faith produces a movie on the screen of your mind. And she imagined it. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. And I'm going to tell you, he who has ears to hear will hear what God is saying to us. Your faith can move mountains. He said it. It's your faith in him. It's your faith in his word. And he says faith comes by hearing his word, not surfing the internet. Not watching questionable movies. But faith comes by hearing the word. A lot of the things that's in our mind, the devil has been attacking us with all kinds of media to get all these imaginations in our mind, you know, that's bombarding wholesomeness and godliness and putting fear and worry and lustful kinds of things so we can't imagine good, wholesome, godly things. The devil's attacking us, you know, just, just wide open attacking us. And we need to imagine good things. And here's a woman, he said, it's your faith. It's your faith. It's your faith that made you well. It's your faith that caused you to imagine the truth. I got this power here for, for everybody. Anybody could access it. But you're the only one today who did. Now, I got something I want to do. Kind of tough, maybe. But I want to play you a video. And you, you, you may not want to watch it. It's very graphic. And little kids probably shouldn't watch it. It's just a clip from the Passion. And you've got you to understand something. You know, why, why would you play that? The Bible tells us, by the stripes of Jesus, we're healed. And if we can imagine the stripes of Jesus, well, maybe we can imagine the healing power that those stripes paid for. The stripes did not get us salvation. Jesus' death on the cross bought our salvation. He tells us in three places in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. He says, by his stripes, the, the lashes, he took 39 lashes on his body. You know that because 40 would kill a person and they went as far as they could go without killing him. And he took these lashes on his body and before Jesus was ever born, it was prophesied that it would happen. And that was the payment so you could be healed today. And if maybe we could imagine that. Maybe we could become more like that woman and, and, and have faith in what God's word says and imagine that maybe when we pray about healing, maybe, maybe we could be healed. 
and maybe that God would answer our prayers. If we can imagine what the Bible says, then maybe we can apply it to us. So if, if you don't want to watch this, please close your eyes, you know, and you don't have to watch it because it is very graphic. I watched it. I just cried like a baby. I'll be honest with you, you know, because this is an absolute 100% biblical presentation of what happened to Jesus Christ before he went to the cross. And he did it for one reason. And the Bible echoes it in several places. He took the lashes upon his body so you could be healed. Not when you die and get to heaven one day, but right now. And he was talking about physical. Healing is available to us all. We all get little things that happen to us, but healing is available to us if we have the faith to reach through that crowd and grab a hold of it for ourselves. So, is that okay? Okay.
muerte. Before Jesus was ever born, Isaiah 53, verse 3 says, It was prophesied this would happen. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and we looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. The King James Bible, verse 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. That means rebellion. He was bruised for our iniquities, our sins. The chastisement or the beatings of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We've we've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid upon him the sins of us all. What you just saw was the most biblically accurate beating and that was only a five minute situation that you saw. And it took far longer what they did to him before they nailed him to a cross. And it says the Lord laid upon him, Jesus, the sins of us all. He was paying for the sins of us all. I'm going to tell you, Jesus is my hero. He tells us in the scriptures in Matthew 8, it says when all the healing began to take place in Jesus' ministry, it says he did it that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. That's Matthew 8, 16 and 17, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, who his own self personally bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Isaiah says, by his stripes you are healed. Thousands of years later, or hundreds of years later for you and me, we can apply that. And as you read what the Bible says, it says, by his stripes, after it was done, you were. It was paid for. When you and I reached through the crowd. We've got to listen to another song. And this is just helping us to see the resurrection of Jesus because he went through that and he was in the, 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 the grave and he was in hell for three days and, and then he overcame and he crushed the serpent's head and he rose from the dead and he maintains the scars so you and I will always recognize the price he paid for his love for us. But let's listen to this song and then we'll pray and I'll dismiss you. And pray and sing if you want to as we listen to this together.
stars they wed. The morning sun was dead. The savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross. His blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse. See you.
Let's bow our heads together. I'd like to lead us in a simple prayer to reaffirm our faith and our hero, Jesus Christ. And if you know him as your Lord and Savior, would you reaffirm your faith with me now? If you've never welcomed him into your life, he is ready to come to heal the broken hearts, to forgive your sins, to write your name in the book of life, and to be your closest companion through the rest of your journey. Would you pray with me now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you love me. That's why you sent Jesus. And I believe he died in my place. And he paid for all of my sins. And I believe that he rose from the dead and is alive now. I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I throw open that door. And I welcome Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my soon-coming King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. And I turn from those things right now. And I give you my life. And I want to live for you. And I want to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, those of you who just prayed with me and accepted Christ, you go to the Connections desk. I got a little Bible, a little gift to give you. And uh, for those of you who need some prayer, there'll be some folks around the altar who'd love to pray with you. But I'm telling you what we went through today. If you can visualize the Bible is true and you can visualize the promises are true, when you invest any time to pray about anything, imagine it. God tells us to imagine it because the devil will try to fill us full of fear and doubt and worry and unbelief. This is an awesome, amazing, powerful love letter, a love book that God sent to you and me. And he is our hero. He did for us what nobody else would do or could do. And he is worthy of our praise and our honor for us to live our lives for him. Um, I, don't, I don't have a, a weekly challenge here. I don't know what to do with it. Does anybody have one? Can I borrow it? Just a second here, brother. It simply says, now I wrote it and I don't remember it, okay? For the rest of the week, I will cultivate my imagination in God's word until it becomes alive and powerful in me. And if you agree with that, check it off, drop it in the tithe box on your way out. And let's just get close to Jesus this week. Spend some time with him. Get alone somewhere where you can cry maybe, you can pray, you can sing, you can laugh, but talk to him and, and treasure this for what it is. This is amazing. His love letters, the instructions that he gives you and me. Um, don't forget about our picnic. Invite a guest to come with you next week, you know, so they can experience God's love and hear about his good news. Wonderful thing. Uh, would you greet one another on your way out? God bless you. You are dismissed.